Today's episode of Dog Nation Daily is brought to you by Engineered Solutions of Georgia. Dial 678-ESOG now for a solution to your foundation and waterproofing problems. Presented by DogNation.com, this is Dog Nation Daily, the daily podcast for Georgia Bulldogs fans. Here's your host, Brandon Adams. As I've gotten older, there is one thing that I've come to believe wholeheartedly. The key to happiness in life is progress. That you can endure almost any unfortunate set of circumstances, bad time, uncomfortable whatever you can endure a lot if you feel like there's a happier tomorrow on the other side of that think about you like your work life sometimes sometimes work's just kind of miserable and my job thankfully is not but oftentimes jobs can be but you can endure kind of a miserable situation at work if you feel like there's a promotion on the other side or more money or a different job or something like that as long as you feel like the the circumstances are sort of short term and that the future is going to be better you can kind of endure that people that kind of try to get on an exercise routine or try to lose some weight, you know, push away from the table and push away from the the, the foods that they would, would, would rather be eating. That can be kind of miserable to try to establish that habit. But once you start seeing the scales moving the direction you want them to move, all of a sudden enduring that discomfort can 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 be a little bit more manageable. And you can actually do that as long as you feel like you're heading towards some kind of progress. I, I can tell you, uh, not to get too much in my own life here for a moment, but there have been times in my life when I have been miserably unhappy to almost a scary degree. I'm talking about going back years ago. And when I look at my life at those times when I was my unhappiest, the unhappiest I ever was, the truth is I had almost everything that you kind of think you need for life. I had a comfortable life. I had you know plenty of the things that you need to survive. Uh, I wasn't wanting really for anything. But I didn't have a lot of progress towards big goals, and that just kind of left me feeling miserable. That's enough about me, but it's it's something that I you know kind of have some experience with. And the reason why I bring that up today is because I, I do think that for those of us who are fans of college football, and in particular for those of us who are fans of the Georgia Bulldogs, that need for progress, I think, can also come into play with how we process things around Georgia football. It is safe to say that over the course of the last few years with UGA, there have been a lot of highs and a lot of lows. And sometimes those lows have left people feeling really frustrated, in, in, including the, the game this past Saturday, SEC Championship against Alabama. And the overall tone around Georgia football, to the extent that it has some negativity that kind of is baked into it, the overall tone here, I think, is greatly influenced by what some people view as a lack of progress. Now, let me tell you what I believe. The viewpoint that that George is lacking in progress, I don't believe exists because there has been no progress. I think the viewpoint that there is a lack of progress exists because of how Georgia is forced to measure itself. Now, listen, don't hear what I'm not saying here. Hear what I'm saying. Don't hear what I'm not saying. Obviously, eventually, the goal for Georgia is to win a national championship. When Georgia has as many resources as it has, anything less than that is simply not trying hard enough. You're not shooting high enough up the food chain if you don't expect Georgia to eventually win a national championship. But, and along the way towards that, that obviously means knocking off Alabama. But while we're waiting for that to occur, there's almost an unfair narrative that gets formed around UGA that the only thing that matters is how it performs against Alabama. And obviously with Alabama having been as good as it's been over the course of the last few years, if the only way you're going to truly be able to measure yourself is what you do against Alabama, then it would be very easy and almost likely that every program would be left lacking in the comparison to Alabama. 
Georgia included. But unfortunately, because Georgia is in the SEC, and while Alabama has arguably been for the last few years the best program in the SEC, Georgia has kind of arguably been over that same span the second best program in the SEC. It's almost like we do a side-by-side comparison between Georgia and Alabama more so than we do every other program. And sometimes that creates, a, I think, a false premise that there's no progress with the Georgia program because the measuring stick is Alabama. And one of the ways you can kind of prove this is in the summertime, you know how we'll do conversations about when CBS Sports or the Sporting News or some other entity, when they rank their top coaches in college football? It always kind of seems like Kirby Smart's a little lower on some of those lists than maybe he should be, even though he has a lot of head-to-head wins against guys who are ranked higher uh, on that list than he is. And I think part of the reason why Smart's reputation as a coach sometimes suffers is because he is simply measured only by what he does against his former boss, Nick Saban, his old employer, Alabama, the program that's kind of been the bull of the woods around the uh, world of college football. I think that's unfair, but life is often unfair, and that's just kind of the scenario that exists for Georgia. Which is one of the reasons why the upcoming game in the Orange Bowl against Michigan is so important. It is a chance for Georgia to get the thing that I always have kind of wanted it to have more of. More opportunity to measure itself against something other than Alabama. Not because it can't ever beat Alabama, but because while it's waiting to beat Alabama, it'd be nice to measure progress in other ways. And if Georgia goes into the Orange Bowl, wins a college football game against the Big Ten champion Michigan, who I believe is winning his program of all time, and obviously the uniforms as recognizable as anything else, it's another example for Georgia to show, for Kirby Smart in particular to show, what this program is accomplishing on the way to taking that final step that hopefully eventually results in winning a national championship. And here is something else that I believe in the midst of this discussion is a little bit unfair. Once again, life is not fair. Fairness is not really a a standard that I expect to ever achieve really with anything. But it's still okay to point out unfairnesses when you see them. That when it comes to measuring progress against non-Alabama programs, Georgia actually stands up pretty well in all of this. Let me just give you a few examples. Think about the success that UG has enjoyed in kind of the non-Alabama realm for a moment. Rose Bowl win against Oklahoma, a program that has multiple appearances in the college football playoff and over the course of the long-standing history, multiple national championships. Great game, thrilling win. Georgia knocked off the Heisman Trophy winner Baker Mayfield in the Rose Bowl. That is a big win. Think about Notre Dame, who has been in two college football playoffs, 11-1 here again this year. In a home-and-home in 2017-2019, Georgia won both those games. That is a big win. Think about the Big 12 champion for this year, Baylor, a couple of years ago in the Sugar Bowl. Georgia against Baylor, a game that there are a lot of opt-outs and, you know, kind of the national spotlight was away from the game. It's obviously a consolation prize for, for not 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 making the college football playoff, but getting that win against that Baylor program, I'm going to count that as a you know pretty big win. I'll say the same thing about the bowl win that Georgia got against Cincinnati a year ago. Cincinnati followed up that close loss to Georgia with making the college football playoff here this year. Winning that game in Atlanta, Peach Bowl, prestigious bowl against Cincinnati, that's a pretty good win. I'll go back to the beginning of this season. Georgia beat Clemson. Now, after that game against Clemson, it sort of seemed like for a while that, well, this is a Clemson team that's a far cry from what it once was. That kind of devalued the win there for Georgia. 
Yet by the end of the season, Clemson was winning games again. And had the result of the Clemson-Georgia game been different, Clemson's probably a top 10 team and really not all that far removed from the playoff standing that it, status that it enjoyed for, for years and years and years. That's another pretty big win. So this is the thing that I'm hoping to kind of recenter Georgia fans around right now is that if you fall into the trap of only measuring Georgia against Alabama, then you're falling into the trap of missing all the other things that Georgia has been doing along the way to eventually trying to overtake and and topple the Alabama Crimson Tide. And I don't say that to say that you shouldn't care about Alabama. You should just be happy with second place. That's not what I'm saying. What I'm saying is to those Georgia fans who are stumbling around in the dark right now and trying to find some evidence that maybe Georgia will eventually get there or they're trying to change their mind, feeling the worst that maybe Georgia won't ever be there. Look at everything else that's happening. The games that I just mentioned against programs that have achieved a level of national status. Look at the wins that Georgia's gotten in those games. And I think that can kind of recenter you here to the idea that maybe eventually, including possibly January, it could be different against Alabama there as well. But obviously, the step towards that is Michigan. And on that collection of trophies I just described, a couple games against Notre Dame, Oklahoma, Clemson, some of these big playoff level, national championship level programs, wouldn't that maize and blue look really good on the wall next to all those other trophies? That's why this Orange Bowl game against Michigan is so important for UGA. So with that said, let's turn our attention to Michigan here for a moment. Kirby Smart hasn't said much yet about the Wolverines because up until this weekend, he didn't know he was officially going to be playing Michigan in the college football playoff. But certainly he caught some of the Big Ten title game on Saturday night. Another big win for the Wolverines this time against Iowa, a team that really finishes the 2021 season with a lot of momentum, feeling pretty good about itself. And Smart on Sunday when he was a part of a press conference previewing the Orange Bowl did talk a little bit about what impressed him with the Wolverines coming off their Big Ten title win on Saturday night this is Kirby Smart the biggest thing that I noticed was the um, physicality they played with last night um, the leadership they had uh, I was thoroughly impressed with the interviews that I saw among their players post game I think you can always kind of tell you know where a team stands and and what they're all about by what they talk about the messaging and to hear those guys talk after the game was 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 really impressive that, that they're a senior laden uh you know senior driven uh team that leads that way <laughs> that's kind of the most kirby smart compliment you've ever heard in your life there i mean like it doesn't really get more kirby than that compliment for michigan i believe that's also probably true the, the other thing that folks have very very quickly become aware of when it comes to these wolverines is the terrific play they have on defense Aiden hutchinson who you know was named a heisman finalist we'll talk more about all, all that coming up there in a moment but that's another name to know on this wolverine squad and once again on Cur- on sunday kirby was talking a little bit about hutchinson and kind of the unusual way in which he was made even more aware of what a great season that he's had i actually enjoyed this from kirby uh here he is again on the subject of the wolverines yeah he, uh, number one i was really impressed with his interview last night and then again today i called him uh on uh i forget who he was on he was on with the college football playoff coverage and just you can tell high motor high intensity serious uh, uh, just a, a talented player. And it's funny, last night when I got home and just turned the game on, was watching it. I got a nine-year-old son that loves college football. He watches everything YouTube. And he started telling me about Michigan's players. And that's the first guy he started telling me about. And I'm like, how does my nine-year-old son 
know about Aiden Hutchinson, and he knew everything about him and was giving me all these stats. And uh, I was I was pretty amazed because I really just started to fill myself in with Michigan was last night, and uh, and he was talking about Aiden. So as a quick aside here for a moment, I also have a nine-year-old son. Now, my son's about to be 10, but it is amazing how much he knows about sports. And I've always been a big sports fan, and I guess when I was younger, I knew more about sports than I do now in kind of a weird way. But it is amazing how much like YouTube just fuels all that information my son's always telling me things especially about like major league baseball and stuff like that he's always telling me things that i didn't i didn't know so it's kind of a interesting to hear kirby saying that his son's doing the same thing for him because i do find um i, I do find my son always knows way more about sports than i than i think that he does i'm always kind of amazed by how much he does does know about it of course he's a huge sports fan loves it all and it's just amazing how much he is filling me in from time to time on things that i either i knew or forgot or 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 whatever else it's kind of you know funny to hear kirby smart say that but but the bottom line on all that is is that you hear from kirby the notion that michigan is a worthy opponent for georgia in this college football playoff in this orange bowl this national semifinal game and georgia's a point spread favorite in the game but as of now i'm not quite so sure uga fans take much solace in that given the fact they were also a point spread favorite against alabama and look how that turned out this is the kind of game that georgia even though the michigan style seems to be a lot more comfortable for uga it's the kind of game that georgia's gonna have to fight very hard to win but if it does fight hard if it does emerge victorious it becomes another in a pretty impressive series of wins for Georgia against Notre Dame a couple of times, Clemson to begin this season, Oklahoma in the Rose Bowl a couple of years ago, Sugar Bowl game against the now Big 12 champion Baylor, where Georgia really is showing more progress than sometimes it's given credit for. Now, eventually, the final domino to topple will be Alabama, and who knows when that takes place, whether it's years from now or a few weeks from now or whenever else. But the good news is, there is zero reason to concern yourself with that at the moment. The SEC championship game is over. The national championship game will only become a possibility if Georgia can win against Michigan. So for now, the only place to put your focus is on the Wolverines. Georgia has a chance to get a big win. And if it does get that win in that spot, I think it says a pretty nice few things about the Bulldogs. My name is Brandon Adams, and this is Dog Nation Daily, the daily podcast for Georgia Bulldogs fans. We're presented by Engineered Solutions of Georgia, and we are happy to have you with us no matter how you get to us today, live on video starting at 945 for our first and 15 on dognation.com and the Dog Nation app. And of course, starting at 10 a.m. on Facebook, YouTube, Twitter, and Twitch, all the video platforms. We're on the radio at noon on Athens Sports Radio 960 The Ref. We are available as a podcast wherever you find them, the Apple Player, Spotify, the google player we post the show at the world famous dog nation.com tons of ways to listen to the podcast and just thankful to have you with us for all of those also big thanks to our friends at engineered solutions of georgia for making today's show possible you know engineered solutions of georgia the one you turn to for your foundation and your waterproofing issues this is a big thing for homeowners to think about here because i'm talking about the structural integrity of your home Uh, if enough water creeps in that threatens that you know you give water uh, enough time it'll make the grand canyon imagine what it can do to your house uh if it goes unchecked there as well that's what engineered solutions of georgia is for plus you see those cracks in your walls or down there in your basement for the foundation floor you know that can be a sign of something so don't put off getting that taken care of 
reach out to my friends at ESOG. First of all, they're proud partners of UGA, uh, Jay and the entire team over there. That makes them really fun to do business with. They also have been long supporters of Dog Nation Daily here there as well. And nothing means more to me than those of you that support those who've been supportive of us. And that is certainly what Engineered Solutions of Georgia has been. They got two full-time engineers on staff. These are smart people that know how your house is put together and they know the things that can threaten what holds it together. So trust them for all of that. Uh, reach out to them. The number to dial could not be easier to remember. Simply call them 678 ESOG now. That number to dial once again, 678 ESOG now. And that'll get you in touch with Engineered Solutions of Georgia. All right, we will get uh, Connor Riley coming up here in a moment. We'll do a Kroger Fresh Take with him today. And that is going to be a lot of fun. Before that, though, I do want to take a moment to look at some of the other things that are going on around UGA from kind of an award standpoint here. We'll do this as a part of Around the Doghouse presented today by Georgia's own credit union. And let me start with this. Heisman finalists were announced yesterday. Uh, Aiden Hutchinson, the name I mentioned a moment ago, was on this list. Kenny Pickett, the pick quarterback, also made it, as well as the two guys that had seemingly emerged a lot over the course of the end of the season. Uh, C.J. Stroud for the way that he played down the stretch. Bryce Young, certainly for the SEC championship. So it's three quarterbacks and Aiden Hutchinson. And obviously, Jordan Davis does not get the nod there. I still thought the hashtag JD to NYC was an incredibly successful thing. And obviously, I think it was, first of all, it was so much fun to see all the ways in which UGA fans participated in that. So I was thrilled about all of it. I think it shined a spotlight on a player that certainly deserved that. And we always felt like the the Davis candidacy was a little bit of a a unique thing. And then we've always said the word we used a lot there was avatar. That Davis was really an avatar for the team first idea that had fueled the Georgia defense all season long. So Bottom line is, there's a lot to be proud of for the fact that Davis got so much national attention. Not an easy thing for an interior defensive lineman to do. CBS telecast before the Georgia-Florida game. Big you know, preview package on him that we were around here lucky enough to be a part of. They used some of the audio from our show to help celebrate Jordan, which is always going to be a source of pride for me. The way in which ESPN talked about him, Fox Sports talked about him, all those big television networks talked a lot about Jordan Davis over the course of the last few months. They noticed the way in which you pushed him. So thanks for all of that, and I can't wait to see how Jordan finishes off here this year. It's obviously been a great campaign. However, while Davis did not get the news that he was looking for in terms of the Heisman Trophy, it was really cool to see N'Kobe Dean get a huge honor. We didn't talk about this yesterday because we were just so busy with everything else. But N'Kobe Dean wins the Buckus Award. Yeah, let's take a look at this here. First of all, great collection of photos uh, if you're watching on video. Dean smiling with the award. You see his family and the Georgia coaches surrounding him there. Uh, You see a nice close-up of the Buckus Award there with Dean's name on it. Obviously, with a kind of a fun quote from Dick Buckus, the former Chicago Bayer and Illinois fighting Illini, a linebacker, I believe, that the the award is uh, named for. And... I guess the thing that jumps out to me about about Dean winning this award is the fact that when he came to Georgia, given the time in which he arrived, it was very easy to tab him as, oh, this is the next Roquan. And that is such a tough label to put on anybody. But in a lot of ways, Nicobe Dean has lived into that label really very well. And, I mean, Roquan became a top 10 pick in the NFL draft. It's hard for anybody to really be able to achieve that level of draft success. But certainly, when you think about impactful players, N'Kobe Dean's been right there with anybody, I would say, including Roquan Smith there himself. So if you follow up the next Roquan label with winning the award that Roquan won, that's a phenomenal career there at UGA. 
and obviously from a selfish standpoint to now say you've had two Butkus Award winners in what the last five years that's a pretty good feather in the cap there for Georgia moving forward there too so that's a lot to be thankful for big news there on the Georgia front a couple other things I'll mention here really quickly obviously Dan Lanning is in the midst of the the lead up to the Broyles Award you know certainly highlighting what has been a great season for landing there's the uga defensive coordinator you love to see that david pollock enshrined in the college football hall of fame so as you're kind of moving into this award season georgia is very prominently in the mix for all of that and i gotta tell you that's certainly a great thing to be able to see and that is around the doghouse it's presented today by our friends at georgia's own credit union of course this is the time of year when we're all out there doing a bunch of holiday shopping and there's no better way to make purchases here right now than with our friends at georgia's own credit union one of their visa signature and platinum cards there's all kinds of great incentives that are involved and conveniences really when it comes to the visa signature and platinum cards from georgia's own credit union you can get contactless payments which makes it easy to pay your bill each and every month but you also get great incentives you know merchandise cash back things like that when you use your visa signature and platinum card from georgia's own credit union big big incentives for making this a part of your life and that's a great thing to get more rewards and more back when you're buying the things that you would be buying anyway so i want you to apply for this today i want you to find out all the ways in which a visa signature and platinum card from georgia's own credit union is the way you should go so check out georgia's own.org for more details on this that's georgia's own.org and it's always great to have georgia's own credit union as a part of around the doghouse here each and every day all right so we got a lot to do on the program today before it's all said and done we're going to obviously look at all the big news happening around the rest of the sec folks are kind of ready to start making fun of florida again we'll do some of that before we're uh finished with today's show so we're gonna have a lot of fun to kind of uh wrap things up here big news around the sec that needs to be covered there as well but for now the state of the program as georgia transitions from an sec championship loss to a spot in the college football playoff and one of the four teams that still have a chance to win this year's national championship let's cover all of that with connor riley right now it's a kroger fresh take with him and, gra- and glad to have all of you with us here on dog nation daily here today from athens and across the sec or wherever the recruiting trail may lead here's a DogNation.com insider by now the sec championship loss is a few days old and like a lot of things left out for a few days kind of starts to stink even more now but uh nonetheless this is our first chance to hear from connor riley on some of this at least here on this program so we'll give him a chance to kind of weigh in on all of that and we'll also turn the page here as we try to do off the very top of the program here today as well with what could come next for the dogs against the michigan wolverines but connor let, let me begin this way now that you've had even more time to think about what happened against alabama what went wrong during the sec championship are you still as locked in on the things that folks were locked in on saturday night or has your opinion evolved some since then uh my opinion on saturday night was that the quarterback was not the problem in this game at least why they lost the game it was as i've written and said many times it was the reason it felt like they couldn't come back uh georgia's defense was a disaster on saturday uh both in the execution and in specifics, the game plan that they employed there. I was very confused as to why they played William Poole at the star, given we had not seen him start at that position all year. Latavius Brini did not play a snap in that game, and obviously he'd had some questions asked about him in terms of coverage. But, you know, this was an Alabama team specifically in defending this offense. The blueprint was out there on how to sort of attack them. You have to 
consistently blitz and then play man on the outside and trust that your corners are going to hold up. Well, I think this coaching staff outsmarted themselves and thought, hey, we're just going to drop back and play zone, a lot like Arkansas did. And Bryce Young threw for 559 yards against Arkansas. And if, if Georgia hadn't made the adjustments in the second half to say, hey, we're just going to start blitzing Bryce more, and everyone's seen the statistics now. I think Bryce was 8 of 20 when he was blitzed and and was far better when he was not. If they didn't make those second-half adjustments, I think Bryce Young could have thrown for 600 yards on this Georgia defense. So the game plan and what was employed there by the defense that day, defense that had been exemplary all season, was disastrous, to put it lightly. I think what's horrifying here, too, is is that you know the, the narrative of the game is that, oh, you, know, you had a huge day from Bryce Young and Jamison Williams. That did Georgia in. But if John Mechie doesn't leave the game with injury – I mean, he was on pace for a huge game himself there, too, that that really, I mean, if he stayed in the game, stayed healthy, he's putting up eye-popping stats there as as well, and the task of actually stopping Alabama would be made even more difficult, and instead of saying, well, Alabama just had a receiver you couldn't stop, it ends up being Alabama had two receivers you couldn't stop, and the results had the potential to have been even worse than they were. Yeah, and I, I think a big reason why Georgia didn't really want to come out and play man and man up on Williams and man up on Mechie is because they were so reminded by last year what they saw against that very same Alabama team where they came out and said, hey, we're going to play man against Devontae Smith and Jalen Waddell, and they got blowtorched in that game for it. Those rub routes off each other yep. where they were just getting the mismatches they wanted every single time. Now, spinning it forward, I do think Georgia's going to see Alabama again, and I think not having Mechie out there is a significant loss. I'll point out, Georgia's defense only gave up one touchdown in the second half there, and it was on that one explosive play to Jamison Williams. You're not going to lock up Jamison Williams. There's, if Alabama wanted to move him around, and it's tough to do that over the course of a full game but he's just so fast and that makes him incredibly difficult to defend we sort of talked about that in the press box on Saturday but not having Mechie out there I think does sort of help Georgia out a little bit and and look they know what they exactly have to go out there and do and it might be a little scary to put Darian Kendrick and Keely Ringo out there in one-on-one coverage because as you saw Bryce Young is capable of hitting that deep pass to Williams but you have to trust your corners in that situation, and I think it's it's a little telling. And I wrote about the defensive backs and the issues there and why it has gotten to where it has this morning. It, it's very telling that Kirby Smart, a defensive backs guru, did not at all feel confident in his defensive backs on Saturday. Yeah, and I guess that leads me to a simple question. You kind of already touched on this, but just kind of drill down on this a little bit more. When you look at the the failings of Saturday, do you think it's fixable in a potential rematch I do think uh, obviously like they're not going to get better players and I sort of asked Kirby about that on Monday or on Sunday in the press conference you know Javon Bullard some of those younger freshmen did do you potentially put them out there I I don't think we're going to see that you hope Chris Smith can get healthier uh, it was I think a surprise that he was able to play as much as he was on Saturday and maybe you move him to star but I mean, the solution, they knew what it was going into the game. They thought they could manage without it. They were clearly wrong in that aspect. And so I think you're going to see, you know, George is going to bring six a lot, and they're going to put five five back out there, and they're going to dare Alabama to beat them deep on the outside with Jamison Williams. And, and, you know, if Alabama hits four of those, five of those, they probably win again if – if Georgia's able to hold them to one or two, that's a win for Georgia, in my opinion. I won't pretend to be as smart as the people who devise these game plans, but as a fan, what I will tell you is I'd rather lose by 50 and find out really quick that you don't 
you know, belong in the game as opposed to the way in which Georgia got picked apart on Saturday. In other words, if Georgia is lucky enough to get a rematch, then keep sending pressure until you get there. Put your guys in a man-to-man situation. I'd rather gamble and hope to have the chance to win with the potential of getting embarrassed as opposed to maybe not gambling enough and losing anyway. I, I just feel like from a from a approach standpoint, that just seems to be what Georgia has to do, be more aggressive with the pass rush because trying to get that with the front four alone clearly did not seem to be working. That made things, I think, way too easy for Bryce Young. And, you know, asking asking your corners to play man, something that Kirby Smart said that the Auburn guys actually did a pretty good job of uh, in the in the regular season finale, albeit without Jameis Williams playing for the entirety of that game. Uh, you know, taking a few gambles and hoping they pay off, that seems preferable to me than the, than the – system that georgia put out there on saturday yeah one i i would say it's not if georgia's lucky to get now a, a, a rematch against alabama it's if they're good enough and i'm sure we'll talk plenty about michigan in the coming weeks you know I, as as i just clearly reamed into the coaching staff here I, I do have to say this was a georgia defense that had 41 sacks this season they had zero against alabama on saturday against an alabama offensive line that frankly, is not the caliber of the Alabama offensive line we have seen in recent seasons. And Kirby, you know, tried to say, yeah, Auburn only had, Auburn had seven of the sacks, but I think a lot of that had to do with the environment. If you're a pass rusher, if you're a team that has been able to rack up that amount of sacks during the course of the regular season, and you know Alabama has to throw the ball, Kirby said basically they didn't work on run fits at all this week because they knew Alabama was going to have to throw the ball a lot. I mean, that's an embarrassing performance to go out there. And that's a proud group in that front seven, and they know they have to play better. But for Bryce Young to not really get touched in that game, I think is one of the more stunning things we could have seen. Uh, you know, I, w- I, wasn't, I wasn't necessarily surprised that Bryce Young hit on the long passes and Jamison Williams and John Mentally had great games. I was stunned by how little Bryce Young was affected by this Georgia pass rush. And that speaks to how excellent Young is. He locked up the Heisman, in my opinion, on Saturday. And... You know, this Georgia pass rush point blank just has to be a lot better. Uh, There's obviously a viral clip going out there of Jordan Davis right now uh, not showing great effort on one play. That The leaders of this Georgia team are in that front seven, Kobe Dean, Trayvon Walker, Nolan Smith. If and when they play Alabama again, and I I, I do think we're going to see them play Alabama again in the national title game, they just straight up have to be better. Uh, What would you do at quarterback if you're Kirby Smart? (laughs) I mean, I thought for a while that, you know – JT is the higher upside, but as far as what I think Kirby's going to do, I think he's shown us. He's going to stick with Stetson, and I know I can already hear commenters screaming on that. And Stetson, Stet, like, yes, it, 41-24, same final score. Stetson played better than he did at Alabama a year ago. Would you agree with that? Is that a is that Yeah, a I, I guess so. I think that's probably fair. You know, and obviously, and, and I've said this, Stetson didn't lose Georgia the game. But when Georgia fell behind, and I'll point out, Stetson Bennett's final pass of the second quarter was a touchdown pass to Ladd McConkie that tied the game at 17. The next time he dropped back to pass, his team was down 31-17. So I'm not sure how you necessarily put that on Stetson. But when Georgia fell behind, they had three straight possessions down 31-17. The defense made some adjustments and finally started getting stops. Georgia has not been able to execute in the red zone all season and it came back to bite them in that game. Two straight stops, four trips in the red zone, only 10 points. If you had told us that before the game, you, you and I both would have said, well, that's a recipe for a Georgia loss yeah. right there. 
and then he gets a third possession and he throws the pick six and he made a throw he can't throw. And in, in that aspect, Stetson's been that player all year. There were two or three passes over the course of the game that were interceptable or should have been intercepted. Two of them were. One of them was returned for a touchdown. You're probably going to see Stetson do that against Michigan, and if, if Georgia plays Alabama again, you're probably going to see him do that. As far as whether or not we see JT, it's going to be hard to keep it a secret because we're going to get some open practices down there in That's Miami, right. and we'll get to see some of that. But, you know, I, I just think Kirby has showed us his hand and showed us that he has a higher belief in Stetson than he does in JT. And while there are a, a lot of alleged experts out there online, uh, Kirby Smart knows a lot about football. He's seen a lot of football. And so I, I as much as I might think that JT might might give Georgia a better option, um, I, I think they're still going to stick with Stetson. I think that J, uh, Stetson Bennett's getting too much of the blame for the loss against Alabama. However, let me defend the common opinion of Georgia fans, at least on this, in that we just spent several minutes talking about the issues on defense. There's only so much you can do to change that. Your personnel is what it is. You can be more aggressive, less aggressive, but but you're kind of, for the good and for the bad, stuck playing with what you have. I think one of the reasons why people gravitate so much towards the quarterback, it's obviously the most important position, the most talked about position, but it's also a change that you could make. There's only so many changes you can make defensively. At a certain point, you just got to mix up the ingredients and, and hope it works out. But this is an obvious change that that you could make. And I do get the idea of even, even if I'm one that believes that Kirby Smart has a reason for what, doing what he's doing, and it's probably a good reason, even if I do believe that, I do get the frustration of, well, how can you really know if you don't even try? And isn't it a little bit weird to not even try with a guy that at one point in time was your unquestioned starter? I don't fully buy the common fan opinion on this. And by common, I mean the, the, the opinion that seems to exist with like the majority of fans. I don't necessarily fully buy that take, but I do understand where it comes from. One thing I will say on Stetson – so he's thrown, I believe, 15 interceptions in the last two seasons as Georgia's starter. We believe Alabama and Florida are the most talented teams Georgia has seen on its schedule the last two years. Would you agree with that sentiment there? Uh, yes. Now, Cincinnati I would probably put on there as well, but he did obviously did not play in that game. Right. Of his 15 interceptions, if I'm doing the math here correctly, I believe eight of them have come in just those two in the, in those four games alone. Uh, you know, Michigan's a really great defense, Aiden Hutchinson and David Ajobo. And I'm sorry if I'm mispronouncing his name, we yeah. will learn his name because it's as great as Aiden Hutchinson is. The other guy they have coming off the end is just as disruptive and just as likely to be a first round draft pick. Stetson's going to have to make plays to win games. And I think we saw some positives. I thought we saw him throw, make some nice throws. I think maybe he locked on to Brock Bowers a little bit too much and didn't necessarily throw it outside of the wide receivers. And we've seen Stetson do that before. I think it was very reminiscent of what he was doing with Kyrus Jackson last season, where he, he feels safe and comfortable with a guy over the middle of the field and will lock onto him a little bit. Georgia does have to get its wide receivers more involved. And obviously, as George Pickens gets healthier, as, as Jermaine Burton, who I thought did some nice things in the first half there last Saturday, Harris Jackson, obviously a name there to know there as well. As great as it is to see Brock Bowers play as well as he did, Georgia has too many other weapons that it can turn to to be that reliant on Brock Bowers. Yeah, and look, I mean, I think the more time passes, you see the big catch you made Saturday. I mean, to me, the, the one of the biggest stories of the Georgia offense is how good George Pickens could have been was he able to play the, the entire year. That Georgia clearly has a game-changing player offensively in Brock Bowers. 
if you had another guy who I think when healthy has also shown himself to be a game-changing player in George Pickens, then I do think this has a chance to, even though the offense is, I mean, just magnitudes better than it was a couple of years ago, more of Pickens with either quarterback playing would have also, you know, made things way better. And unfortunately, and I'll, you can include Darnell Washington in this list, you can include anybody else you want to, there's just no one else in this Georgia offensive situation right now beyond a healthy Pickens and obviously Brock Bowers who comes anywhere close to being the kind of game-changing players they are. A lot of good, a lot of guys who maybe even exceeded expectations. But in terms of the kinds of guys that impact the result of a football game, Bowers and a healthy Pickens are just in a completely different category. I mean, there. Pickens still clearly isn't 100%. And that first catch he had on Saturday, there, I don't think there's anyone on Georgia's offense that could have made that catch. And I include Brock Bowers in there. And I, to be frank, I don't know how many players in the country can do what he can do when the ball is in the air. He's obviously not the fastest player in the world, but his ability to just hang in the air, almost levitating, it's kind of like watching a great dunker and, and just see him just levitate and, and, and fly and glide through the air. And so I, I think as he gets healthier, I, I think that's something to watch there going forward as well and I'll be honest you know if George Pickens is going to be a bigger part of this offense and I think you and I both would have expect that against Michigan and Alabama I mean let's go back and look at the numbers JT Daniels had thrown to George Pickens there I think there's a real comfort there and if Georgia feels that George Pickens needs to be a bigger part of this offense going forward I think JT has shown he's going to get him the ball there whereas even when George was healthy last season Stetson and him never quite had that same connection and maybe that speaks to some of the limitations within Stetson's game and his unwillingness to really throw outside the numbers a whole lot which is where George Pickens mostly lives I think that's something to watch going forward as well and um if he's not going to do that as I said yesterday I just wish he'd offer a better explanation as to why yeah you know he's not under any obligation to like reveal every secret involving Georgia football and I don't probably believe there's like one big smoking gun reason why JT Daniels is not playing I don't believe that's probably true I believe like a lot of things in life it's kind of a preponderance of things but I just think that, that Kirby Smart has chosen not to really offer much of any explanation for this. And that's one of the things that's creating so much angst and anger um, among fans right now that um, I think they're willing to give Smart the benefit of the doubt if he'll just placate them a little bit by giving more than what he's given on this subject. I, I think Smart's actually hurting both quarterbacks. There's a horrible rumor mill that forms around JT Daniels. Yep. Stetson Bennett takes a bunch of just grotesque cheap shots from people who never did anything athletically in their entire life. There's a lot that that um you know that both quarterbacks end up dealing with to the negative that smart could make go away if if he would just be a little bit more forthright in discussing this and he's not going to be able to hide behind some of that stuff because the way the orange bowl is set up we're going to get to talk to todd munkin down there we're going to get to see a couple of practices at least as it stands currently there's going to be a media day down there where we're, right. as far as i know we're going to be able to talk to any player we have and want to on the team and you can imagine jt daniels is going to be a very popular player that day to really get his side of the story of how things have transpired over the last three months so or just going to talk to all the other players that we don't typically hear from what they yeah. think about jt daniels that's the thing that george's got to be careful exactly of. so you know I understand why Kirby is the way that he is and wanting one voice and limiting distractions, so to speak. But, I mean, that's pretty clearly backfired now going into a game against Michigan where you have this giant quarterback question because, in part, you have shrouded Daniels in some secrecy and I don't want to say not been totally forthcoming, but kept him somewhat of a mystery. And, you know, it's the classic family guy bit. You could have a boat 
Or you could get this mystery box. JT Daniels is this mystery box. He could be anything. He could be a boat. Uh, and, and so, you know, because of so much we don't know about JT Daniels, and maybe that's Kirby Smart protecting him. Maybe, you know, it's Kirby Smart, you know, not wanting everything to be out there, I think has as we see now, backfired. All right, I want to get one more from you looking ahead of the game against Michigan. It's our Kroger Fresh Take with Con O'Reilly. Of course, don't forget, Kroger's got a great new program for you called Kroger Boost. So many fun things with this. You get more savings. It's an entirely new level of membership that can give you free grocery delivery, twice the fuel points, and all kinds of special offers. So if you go to Kroger.com slash boost today, that's Kroger.com slash boost, you can enroll in this. Uh, it's just as little as $59 a year. So a great chance to take advantage of a great program. Kroger.com slash boost to do so today so Connor before you joined us I talked on this show but the fact that a Michigan trophy assuming that Georgia gets this win looks pretty good alongside the win against Clemson national championship program to begin the year two wins against Notre Dame since 2017 Rose Bowl win against Oklahoma win a couple of years ago against Baylor that's now the reigning Big 12 champion that a lot of Georgia fans I think get frustrated by the lack of progress seemingly against Alabama but hopefully that doesn't obscure the continued progress against other you know so-called national powers and it's not supposed to make you feel better for not beating Alabama but I think assuming Georgia gets this win against Michigan it should serve as a reminder that a eventual win against Alabama is still possible don't lose the forest through the trees yeah you know this has still been an incredible season by Georgia standards and I'd point out I believe Nick Saban has never had a team in Alabama go 15-0 in a season and that's an incredibly difficult thing to do. Yes, he's had undefeated seasons, but he's never won all 15 games as currently exists in the college football playoff format. So, you know, even some of those great Alabama teams he had had losses. That 2011 team that had a fantastic defense lost a game to LSU. That 2012 team that beat the breaks off of Notre Dame had a loss to Texas A&M and very nearly had a loss to Georgia. As the New England Patriots, my beloved team, has shown in 2007 – it's, imp- it's almost impossible to be perfect every week. And unless you have, you know, a 2019 LSU or something along the lines of that, it's, it's really, really difficult to do it in this league where you're, you're playing great teams every single week that have talent better than 95% of the country. And so, you know, with this Michigan game in mind, if Georgia goes out there and wins, I, it doesn't matter to me what the score is. It doesn't matter how it goes out and plays. To go out there and beat a Michigan team that, quite frankly, is playing better than any team in the country, and I include Alabama in that to, to end the regular season there, hammering Iowa and hammering Ohio State, I, I think that's an incredible pelt to have on its wall. And obviously Kirby's going to be measured by that game against Alabama and what I expect will be a rematch. But he'll have gotten to two national title games, and that's something I believe only Vince Dooley can say among coaches in his time at Georgia. And, you know, obviously college football is wildly different back then. But to do that is still, I think, incredibly impressive. I think Georgia is now the sixth team to have multiple college football playoff berths there. And and so they're clearly showing they're doing the things to continue to build and be in the right direction. I think it took Tom Osborne 17 seasons to yeah. win his first national title and then he won like three of four that's if I'm right remembering at one point in time a lot of folks thought he'd never win one and he finished his career as the most dominant program in the sport at the time yeah so you know sometimes this stuff takes a while and then you even see saw Dabo Sweeney he didn't win a national title until year eight and then he rips off another one a year and a half later so you know pr- progress you're still seeing it even if you're not seeing the ultimate grand prize that you want to see there at the end but you're still seeing progress there. And as far as this game against Michigan, there is a little, a, a, a nice and neat fun note that uh, Brett McMurphy pointed out. Do you know when Kirby Smart's birthday is? 
I do not know that. It is December 23rd. Is that know, right? Do you know what Jim Harbaugh's birthday is? I did not know. I do not know that. It is also December 23rd. Well, there you so, go. Fun little, fun little story there. And there's a lot of really good stories going into this game against Michigan. Obviously, you have Tom Crean, who is Jim Harbaugh's brother-in-law, something to watch there. Uh, Michigan's defensive coordinator, Mike McDonald, is a Georgia alum, was That's a right. GA on Mark Rick's staff. He is also a Centennial High School alum. Go Knights. Um, there's a ton of interesting stuff out there and, and I'm really looking forward to covering it. Obviously we're going to talk a lot about quarterbacks because unfortunately I think that sort of looms and hangs over this team until either Georgia wins a national championship or get, or it gives the fan base a satisfactory look at the position. But this Michigan game is going to be a lot of fun and I expect it. I actually think it'll be a game Georgia wins. And I'll point out if you go back and check the tape on go with the flow, I was the only panelist there to pick Alabama that day. So I I think Georgia matches up really well with this Michigan team. And I think the fan base should embrace the fun that I think they're going to have down there in Miami. Connor, thank you for being here. Part of our Kroger fresh take here on dog nation daily here today. And we'll look forward to getting a chance to speak to you soon. Yep. As always was a pleasure. VA. Let's take a look around the rest of the league. This is SEC Through. So let me just say this about the Georgia-Michigan matchup as well. That, And I said this on one of our shows. I think I said this on Sunday when we were doing Chase of the Championship right after Georgia was announced in the college football playoff. This show used to exist pre-video. A lot of you came on board once the video started just because of the way in which video distribution works. We did a podcast only for a couple of years before we started doing the show on video And if you want to go back and listen to the podcast only days around 2016, this portion of the show, especially, you know, SEC through time, things like that. Jim Harbaugh in Michigan was a huge topic of conversation at the time. This is when, you know, he was being hired at Michigan. And you understand something. Harbaugh came into Michigan with a very big resume. Like a lot of people have kind of treated this, you know, most overrated coach in college football and things like that. But the truth is, he won 44 games in four years as the coach of the San Francisco 49ers and completely transformed the the Stanford program. And you kind of look at what Stanford's been in recent years. It's a reminder of how big of a deal that was. You know, one at USC, for instance, a 40-plus point underdog. And this is a guy that had done some things at Stanford, got the San Francisco 49ers job. It was a big deal to leave that job and go to Michigan. It was a huge coup for the Wolverines. And so it was very easy to compare Harbaugh and, and Kirby at that stage of their career, especially when they're fighting over, you know, like the Aubrey Solomons and uh, the receiver. Gosh, all these names. The receiver from Alabama that went up there. Um, uh, you know, good uh, receiver. There were a lot of guys that we kind of talked about. Uh, who was the receiver that went from Alabama that went to that went to uh, Michigan? I can't hear you. It, it, it doesn't matter. Uh, Nico Collins. Thank you very much, Nico Collins. I'm sorry. Uh, there were a lot of receivers like that. You know, a lot of players like that. They kind of battle over in, on the recruiting trail there for a while. So it was very easy to kind of make that comparison. Satellite camps and everything else. And so I think at the time in 2016, if you would have said, "Hey, what are the next five years going to look like? Next six years going to look like?" I think a lot of us assumed there were going to be a lot of battles between Smart and, and Harbaugh in recruiting and on the field. And if you'd have told me back then, yeah, in 2021, Georgia and Michigan are going to be facing each other in the playoff. It's going to be a head-to-head fight between Harbaugh and, and, and Kirby. That would have sounded very believable in 2016. And yet all this time has passed. And, you know, Michigan really had a period of almost totally irrelevance in the sport they have certainly become relevant again here this year i think you give harbaugh some of the credit for that but it's kind of interesting how life works that for a while it was a dominant storyline harbaugh wants to be a factor down south he seems like he's going to be a competitor on the national stage with kirby smart then that never came to pass and now they've kind of 
circled back around again and they finally will meet each other head to head of course there's also been some attention given to the to the tweet that uh you know harbaugh had years ago about satellite camps things like that so you know these are two pretty you know strong personalities as coaches i'm sure that will create some kind of interesting drama between the two at some point in time so uh, good stuff from connor riley on that let's also get ready to go cruise around the sec courtesy of our friends at royal caribbean and i'll remind you about royal caribbean here for a moment that my goal for this year and i said this yesterday i'm just simply hoping to be tan all winter long got miami coming up can't wait for that uh fun bowl destination heading on the dog nation cruise in april a part of independence of the seas great great opportunity to go out of port canaveral on april in, in april going to uh, nasa on the bahamas going to perfect day coco Cay, and you've heard me talk about perfect day coco Cay a lot that private island right there that's that's exclusive only for those on royal caribbean ships it's a private island just for royal caribbean uh, it's got the thrill side. It's got the chill side. So much great entertainment on board these Royal Caribbean uh, ships there as well. And a lot of special Dog Nation themed events too. Y'all, this is going to be an amazing, amazing experience. And we want you to be a part of it. We've already heard, all, already heard from several of you who have officially made your plans to be there. The time is now to book this for sailings in April with Dog Nation and Royal Caribbean. So if you go to the top of the page at dognation.com, you'll see a link for the Dog Nation cruise. Please join us for the dog nation cruise setting sail in april with our friends at royal caribbean it's going to be an incredible time all right a couple of stories i want to get to here as a part of our sec through here cruise around the sec courtesy of uh royal caribbean uh first of all uh, the negersi award has been announced will anderson the alabama linebacker has won that great season for him no doubt about that it's it's kind of funny it seems like anderson almost less of a factor in saturday's game than i kind of expected him to be but he's clearly had a great season and you know listen there are a lot of georgia guys who've had great seasons there too obviously we've tied it for jordan davis and we think his impact has been huge a different kind of impact than the one that anderson has made but huge nonetheless but uh certainly will anderson's a very deserving guy we talked about him going into the sec championship for a lot of very good reasons and i'm sure we'll continue to talk about him throughout this college football playoff conversation for kind of much the same way uh grant morgan does win the Bur- the burlesworth trophy for the you know nation's top former walk-on obviously stetson bennett was up for this kirby smart had a great story to tell the other day about his own connection to the to the bullsworth you know knowing the man for whom it's named and you know it just goes to show you that you know stetson's not the only guy that kind of has a cool former walk-on type story and uh grant morgan is a good football player and it is always kind of amazing and i see this on friday nights there too that because i'm lucky enough to be a part of high school football here in this state and on a state like georgia a lot of the guys that we're featuring on you know a lot of these you know tv broadcasts are the former four and five star type guys that's a lot of uh, of kind of what you see but dotting the rosters of programs all around the state of georgia in addition to those elite names who've already established their le- their 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 reputations you see guys who just want a chance and they do truly believe if they'll just give me a chance i can show what i'm all about and people end up kind of making this into kind of a uh, something silly you know cliche like the rudy thing at notre dame or something like that but it is actually really amazing and it's the kind of thing that 99 percent of the world 99.99999 percent of the world would simply just give up on you know the number of people who are willing to stick through something when they are told they are not good enough, most people just quit on the first rejection. They just do. 
they just do. So I think we should celebrate former walk-ons, and I think we should pay attention to that. Grant Morgan's had a great career at Arkansas. Obviously, Bennett's had his own version of that there, too. Um, but for those that kind of understand what, what it takes just to get on a football field and then succeed after you've had probably several hundred people tell you, young man, you need to set your sights on something below the SEC, something below the FBS, something down here, you know, not to say there's anything wrong with FCS football or anything like that. Uh, but a lot of guys have been told that if you want to be a college football player, you need to be realistic. You need to set your sights at something a little lower and maybe you'll have a chance to succeed there. To not quit, to not give up in the face of that kind of rejection is just the kind of thing that most people don't have in their DNA. So we probably should celebrate that, Grant Morgan included. We'll talk, I'm sure, more in the future about the staff that Billy Napier's put together here uh, there at Florida. Obviously, one of the things that got some attention is hired Mark Hockey, the former um, uh, strength and conditioning coach at Georgia. I saw that. I guess the two previous places that uh, hockey's been strength and condition coach, the coach that he hired him got fired the very next year. So I don't quite know what that means for Billy Napier. Uh, but nonetheless, it's kind of out there. The staff kind of coming together for Napier there at Florida. You've heard from him now a little bit as the Florida coach and injecting his personality, what's already a very crowded SEC, is certainly going to be a thing to watch. And for now, we'll make that your SEC through. And I, I told you about this yesterday. I want to make sure you're aware of this there, too. You know, sometimes I'm not the smartest guy in the world. I, I've told you that before. And when new cool trends show up, it's probably a little extra work for me to kind of figure out exactly what these things are. And one of the examples of that is like the world of cryptocurrency. You've kind of you know heard that talked about. Admittedly, I'm a little bit of an old school guy, but I am fascinated by the way in which this conversation has really permeated almost all walks of life. Everyone seems to be talking about crypto and everyone that I know seems to want to know a little bit more about it. And that's where my friends at Space Dogs come in. It's a really cool new company that's kind of taking the mystery out of crypto a little bit because at its essence, crypto is really just a more safe, secure way to pay for the things that you're already buying online. That's kind of what it comes down to when it's all said and done. And Space Dogs has a couple of really cool products to help you understand that even more. They have their dog's wallet and they have their space card. These are fun, innovative new ways to take the mystery out of crypto and also kind of get you involved in that world if you uh, want to do that there as well. You can also check out their new dog's token as well, which is kind of a cool thing to, to pay uh, attention to. Space dogs, good UGA people, understand the world of crypto, understand how 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 your life can be made better by by utilizing some of the products that are available in that space. And that's where Space Dogs kind of comes in for you. So I want to give you the website to go to. It's dogs.io. That's D-A-W-G-S, dogs.io. You can check out Space Dogs and you can be a part of a really new, cool uh, venture in the business world with Space Dogs, but also in the crypto space all the way around. They can help explain it for you. They can help you see how their products can help you and kind of engage in that and make safe, secure transactions as you're shopping here this holiday season with our friends at Space Dogs. Also, one more thing real quick, uh, heading towards bowl season. It's going to be a great time to get some action down on some of these college bowl games. This is where BetUS comes into play. Also, for those of us like myself who probably turn my attention more to the NFL once the college ball season kind of slows down just in time for the playoff race to heat up, these games always made more fun when you have a little action down on the one, one side or the other. So if you haven't gotten your account up and running at BetUS, this is the time to do that. Go to BetUS.com. Use the promo code DN125. The DN, of course, stands for Dog Nation. DN125. You will get a 120 percent sign up bonus and that means you've got more money in your account from bet us than you put in there yourself you were literally a winner before you place your first bet but you got to use the promo code dn125 so 
BetUS.com, promo code DN125, get 125% sign-up bonus, and then you can start getting some action down on some of these fun football games that are going to be played in the months of December and January. So make sure you check that out today. So you can kind of feel nature is healing a little bit here. Yesterday, no one was really kind of in the mood for the golden shoe. Today, golden shoes are back, and people are just ready to kind of laugh again here a little bit, whether it be laughing at ourselves or making fun of Florida, which is always kind of a popular topic. You've heard the free JT thing being used a lot. I'll show you this. Somebody sent this to me. I don't know why I think this is so funny. (laughs) JT behind bars with the free JT. Listen, uh, I'm sort of fine with what Kirby wants to do. I think there's things to like about both these quarterbacks. However, I can still laugh at the free JT meme. I don't think we have to take that super seriously. Uh, Elite Visor sent this to me. I think that's very funny. Also, a little mockery of the Florida Gators back in Saligan there a little bit there as well. Florida apparently lost a basketball game last night to a team that, uh, what is this, Texas Southern. I think they only won one game all year long, 69-54. Georgia on tap sent that to mock them. So, yeah, we'll do that. Uh, Golden shoe there as well. And speaking of those lousy, stinking Gators, how about 326 days from right now, dogs in Jacksonville get Billy Napier his first loss in this rivalry, and we'll see how many more he gets after that. But the first one comes this October. We will see tomorrow, Dog Nation Daily, presented by Engineered Solutions of Georgia. And on the podcast, time now for the R.S. Andrews podcast, Cool Down, where we'll take your reaction to a lot of what came on yesterday's show and a lot of this today coming from DogNation.com. I talked yesterday about excitement about the college football playoff. Bud Knox 310 writes in to say, has there been any excitement really with the expectation of playing Michigan with Bennett at quarterback? And if somehow find a miracle to win that game, then Bama, sorry, just not that excited about another loss. Well, I feel like there is plenty to be excited about when it comes to a trip to the college football playoff and a chance to beat Michigan in Orange Bowl. Then whatever happens after that is whatever it is. And I think most Georgia fans will feel that way too eventually, even if they're not quite there to feel that way. Now, Sloan Dog writes in to say, so if Kirby Smart's baseline for dynamic offense includes uh, A.J. McCarron, uh, uh, Greg McElroy, and uh, uh, Coker, Jay Coker, while the trend since leaving Alabama includes Burrow, Mack, Jones, Tua, Watson, Lawrence, and Fields. What about practice with JT Daniels versus our first team defense to flesh out the necessary adjustments needed for success against elite quarterback play? So I said this in the post game show on Saturday, and this is probably an unfair thing to say, but I'm going to say it anyway. So for those that are convinced that JT Daniels is the better of the two quarterbacks and somehow there's this conspiracy to keep him on the bench. Have you ever wondered why there aren't more rumors to the contrary on that? Like, the example that I used was for Alabama 2017, knowing people that had been at Alabama practices, knowing people that had seen Alabama scrimmages. There were there was a whisper campaign throughout that season that Tua Tungo Vialoa was actually better than Jalen Hurts. What I've said is, Saban, deep down, had to know that was true, too. Otherwise, you couldn't make a change like that in the national championship game unless you had some reasonable certainty that it might work out a certain kind of way. And the whisper campaign during the season had suggested that was the case. And, you know, it's maybe easy to understand why Saban was one of, was slow to want to make that move. They'd had great success with Jalen Hurts the previous year. And uh, he would had a good year in 2017 there as well. But folks still thought Tua might be better. Like a lot of y'all have your ear to the ground pretty well on some of this internet stuff. Who is the person pushing the well-founded rumor? Well, you know, JT's actually doing better than Stetson Bennett during practice, but Kirby Smart, you know how he is. Like, who's even really saying that right now? 
for those of you that try to follow that kind of stuff closely, if it were so overwhelmingly true, wouldn't be wouldn't somebody be peddling that rumor somewhere? I just thoughts that come to mind. David one writes in to say, I can answer your second question to stench. No, we can't win a rematch if we get there. To me, that was one of the worst losses in Georgia football history and definitely Kirby's worst defeat. I'm afraid we'll let that game beat us twice. Hope I'm wrong. Um, and, and you may be right. And I understand that you say you hope that you're wrong. Maybe, maybe we'll find out if the rematch does come that you're not wrong. But when you think about how wildly different Alabama played against Georgia compared to the way that it played the previous week against Auburn, I mean, we have to acknowledge that college football history didn't begin with Saturday's game against Alabama. That The previous 12 games also matter on this too, and Georgia had been the better team over the course of those tr- previous 12 games. That's not to say that you shouldn't feel terrible about the way that Georgia played on Saturday. Obviously, it was a very familiar feeling to get beaten up by the Crimson Tide, but um, if you look at odds to win the national championship for instance the georgia odds to win the title actually aren't all that different than alabama's are right now so the gambling public to the extent you care about that at all is certainly a lot slower to change its mind than some of uga fans are jim dog 85 who i did see at uh, marlowe's tavern this past week says he enjoyed seeing us there and really uh bought into the, the false positive of an injured alabama offense coming after the iron ball performance i knew going into the game that Brini was probably the weakest link in the defense and i was surprised to see pool starting the game says that didn't work out so well and jim dog's right that did not work out so well he says i agree with your assessment that stetson has been making bad decisions on the field the two interceptions the drop third pick were only the start he made bad decisions in the running game that really hurt he had a terrible game with the read option play and that's been his big advantage over jt daniels he pulled the ball when he should have handed it off and vice versa mostly it felt like he was trying too hard and pressing hopefully they can coach him up before the michigan game and uh i think that jim dog sounds like he thinks that george is going to stick with bennett and certainly based on kirby smart statements as of late seems like that's probably the case unless he starts saying different things heading into that game and as far as like the biggest knock on Bennett, I think what Jim Dog brings up there is true. That unfortunately, it is the decision making more so than anything else. His propensity just to make a bad throwing decision, throw a ball in an area that doesn't need to be thrown, that just seems to be the biggest issue that Stetson has. Depp Dog says it's truly astounding the extent to which BA and Stench go to avoid saying anything, even slightly irreverent in the church of kirby he says john got closed when he said the uj offense is built a certain way which fits stetson bennett's skill set even if that's entirely true which i could debate then it wasn't set up to come back from two to three scores well yes yeah, so the question remains which they refuse to answer when you are in a position to need to spread the field and take shots in the passing game because you're in a scoring contest and losing the game why does a head coach refuse to go to the guy who does fit that scenario so when is so since when is going down with the ship a winning theme for a football coach? It's nece- it's a necessity for an honorable captain whose ship is sinking, but football coaches are supposed to win the game, Deb Dog says. So if you've listened to everything that I realize it's not hard to not easy to listen to everything that I say over the course of all the shows that get done here, even all of Dog Nation Daily, maybe. But I certainly think it's unfair to me to say that I haven't been critical of Kirby Smart at all after Saturday's game. I think I've had several pointed criticisms of Smart, as I've told you many times. Maybe I said this on video, but um, as I've told all of you, tried to many times, I don't work for Kirby. He does not sign my checks. It's not my job to carry his water. I'm not going to treat any man as infallible. As a man, that just feels like kind of a weird thing to do. Treat another man as if he's perfect and incapable of making error, Kirby Smart included. However, 
I think that some of y'all have gotten far too comfortable accepting what is on its face an illogical thought that Smart knows he has a better quarterback in JT Daniel sitting on the bench and somehow through stubbornness or ego or whatever else just choosing not to use him. That just doesn't seem very logical to me. It seems very unlikely to be true. And in the absence of a sensible reason for why Smart hasn't been playing Daniels, the guy that was the starting quarterback at the beginning of the year, admittedly, I'm not going to assume the worst about him. I've, yeah, as a, for instance, one of the things I said over and over again yesterday was, I think he should do a better job of explaining himself. But I think folks that assume that there is no good reason why Smart might be doing what he's doing, or there is no collection of reasons that add up to the decision that's made, this is just an egomaniacal Smart who's content to make the same error over and over again I just happen to think that's people reaching for too easy an answer to what is on its face probably a lot more complicated scenario s Clark 10 writes in to say in my opinion that was one of the worst UJ losses ever by far the worst loss of smarts program I, I thought it was certainly terrible but I don't think it was worse than getting your brains beat in at LSU in 2018 or certainly more embarrassing than losing to South Carolina in 2019 but nonetheless he says all of Kirby's worst tendencies were on display and I expect to see this same thing in three weeks the commenter writes he has not shown the ability to change despite his slogans so that's another person apparently not all that excited about a rematch and i don't know let's give people some time to get there maybe they change their mind uh gramster uh writes in say what you will about saban once again out scheming kirby's defense we scored 24 points uh, two times with stetson only difference is this time he wasn't playing hurt so, first of all, what Gramster says there off the top to me is the most important thing of all, that Georgia's loss in that game against Alabama on Saturday certainly starts with what happened with the Georgia defense getting exploited. He says, keeping in mind, I read that, um, that 24 points would have won exactly one of the last 21 SEC championship games. Um, so, basically saying they're not scoring enough points there. Um, he says, uh, thank you, Stetson, for getting us to the party. There wasn't a single dog fan that didn't hope you would pull the Cinderella story, and I'm so very thankful for your effort and perseverance. But there's a reason Coach Nick Saban has never won a national championship with a walk-on. High quarterback ratings are usually given to quarterbacks with big arms and great see-the-field acumen. Not so great quarterback ratings are usually given to quarterbacks with one or none of those traits, just saying. Gramster, I don't think anyone's going to deny that all things being equal – of course, you would take the quarterback that the largest number of people have assumed to be the better, including at one point in time, the Georgia coaches. Um, I think that the one thing that I'm left to conclude from that is something must have changed to no longer make that so. And it's probably not like one smoking gun type thing or one skeleton in the closet type thing. It's probably not quite so substantial as that. But, but I am just willing to acknowledge there must be things going on that I don't fully know about this. And smart stubbornness alone can't be enough to explain this. Bubba Bill writes in to say, say what you will about, uh, say what you uh, Stetson haters want, but in both of his games against Alabama, he performed better than the magnificent Justin Fields did last year for Ohio State or Ian Book for Notre Dame. Fields was light years worse than the Buckeyes lost by a much larger margin. So a little bit of a comparison there between Fields last year, who was obviously very injured, and Stetson Bennett, uh, these couple of um, couple of performance against the Crimson Tide. Bubba Bill also says, did you uh, negative guys listen to the podcast? I certainly didn't hear Brandon Adams or John Stinchcomb blame the loss on Bennett. I mean, I thought Bennett was part of the problem on Saturday, but I didn't think he was the 
the only reason or even the primary reason Georgia lost the game. He says, I heard that there's a mystery around JT, which I totally agree with. The information regarding JT, his parents and California coach all being in Knoxville before the game a few weeks ago, clearly tells me something is amiss. We obviously talked about that on yesterday's show. Um, and there is a lot of mystery around this. I think he's right about that. E-Rock writes in to say, the quarterback issue is tricky for me because I find myself on both sides. I firmly believe that Daniel's the better option. I'm going to have to see it to believe that we can beat Bam and Bennett regardless of how the defense plays. Both the defense and the quarterback play must be must significantly improve. And to E-Rock's point on this, I said a lot during the season that my assumption was that Daniels was the better of the two quarterbacks between um, between Daniels and Bennett. But if Kirby continuously returned to Bennett here this season, I had to assume that there was a reason that that Kirby was doing that. And like the one thing that although I can't know this for sure. The one thing that I do believe that probably a lot of you probably won't like is had Georgia started JT Downs in the game on Saturday, I, I don't have reason to believe that the final score result would have been different. BG522 writes in to say, I agree with a lot that's said here, but the thing that bothers me the most is that Kirby's just being Kirby, keeping everyone in the dark. I'm also tired of hearing him say that you can't put any blame on Stetson for the loss and talk about how good he did and the great throws that he made. Well, I don't know what game he was watching, but the one I watched saw receivers making a lot better catches than, than he made throws. I do think that the way in which Kirby talks about this uh, BG certainly provides some room for improvement. I, I do think, as I said on yesterday's show, that the entire ordeal between the quarterbacks, including the rumor mill that forms around JT, the criticism that forms around Bennett, some of it unfair, some of it fair, but a lot of it personal and unfair and cheap shots. A lot of that would go away if Kirby, I believe, would just speak more forthrightly to what's going on here. Um, but he's just seemingly not going to do that. Hemingway says, we don't know that JT's the better quarterback. Look at his resume against winning teams, Clemson and Cincinnati. No evidence there that he is the better quarterback. However, I do wish we'd seen more of JT this season, especially late third and fourth quarter against Alabama. So I agree with a lot of Hemingway here on this, at least the, 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 the tone of what he's suggesting. Part of me wishes they would just play JT Daniels against Alabama just so we'd at least have that data point. Even if Kirby believes that Stetson's the better option, there's a part of me that would just feel more satisfied or frankly more I'd be gratified that Georgia fans might be more satisfied with at least seeing what JT would look like if he played against Alabama. Part of me would just like to kind of get some closure, some conclusion to that mystery about what would happen if this all went down. However, the other thing is, and I know this gets people really worked up, I don't think the evidence arguing for JT Daniels over Stetson Bennett clearly being the better quarterback, I really don't think that's as strong as some people think that it is. Even though my presumption is that Daniels is the better of the two, the actual tangible evidence to support JT based on all the snaps that he's played in uh, Georgia, or if you want to, all the snaps that he's played in his college career, I actually don't think that argues as strongly for Daniels as some people think that it does. Smarts the man writes in to say, this is pretty simple. Georgia lost Alabama because the defense had a bad game. The defense was going to have to limit Bama to no more than 28 points and likely less. When they failed to sack and pressure Young, that wasn't going to happen. I agree with Smarts on this, that the recipe for beating Bama is like 30-something to 20-something. Like you're not a 45-42 type game. In fact, I don't think you're a 45-42 type uh, team even with um, JT Daniels at quarterback. That's not the kind of offensive output they had against Cincinnati. It's not the kind of offensive output they had against uh, uh, 
Clemson to begin the year. You know, you go back to the one like really explosive game that that Daniels orchestrated for Georgia against Mississippi State. Only scored 31 points that day. Even with JT Daniels, this really isn't a 40 or 50 point offense. It's just not. I mean, against Vanderbilt, it might be, but against good teams, uh, that's not really been the 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 way this has worked out. So whether it's Daniels playing quarterback or Stetson Bennett, the recipe for Georgia against an Alabama is to find a way to hold them in the 20s, find a way to get to the 30s, and that's it. Now, if you want to say JT has a better chance of getting you there based on two previous attempts by Stetson against Alabama, then you can certainly say that he can't do it, or at least he hasn't done it yet. But but I just don't know that the presence of Daniels changes the actual results for Georgia all that much, which will satisfy some and not others. But I am trying to read as many of your comments on this topic as I can. I promised you that I would. And if you want to respond to some of this, we'll read some more tomorrow. Either way, thanks for being here for our R.S. Andrews podcast cool down. Big thanks to R.S. Andrews for not only sponsoring this segment, but also taking care of us for our air conditioning, heating, plumbing, electric needs. If your water heater goes out, in many cases, R.S. Andrews can replace it for you the same day. But you've got to find them online at rsandrews.com. Have a great day. We'll see you back tomorrow. Dog Nation Daily, presented by Engineered Solutions of Georgia. We'll look forward to speaking to you then.